0: Hello and welcome once again to How to Beat Your Kids at Board Games. I'm Dan. And I'm John. And we're real excited, as always, to be here with you today, but we're especially excited today because it has been uh, a little over two months since our last episode. Uh, We took a break. Uh, We had an election. We had school. We're both students. Um, We had a lot on our plate. Uh, We had Thanksgiving. We hope you all had a fun, safe Thanksgiving. And uh, as promised, we are back uh, with some more content for the holidays just in time. Um, so without further ado, I'll introduce our topic of this episode, Clue. Uh, clue, uh, the origins of Clue will actually be talked
1: about by John. All right. Yeah. So Clue uh, could also be clue depending on where you live, um, It was invented in England by one Anthony E. Pratt all the way back in 1944. And so, you know, you history nuts out there. um, Well, you might not need to be a history nut to remember that that 1944 is right in the middle of uh, World War II. Uh, Wait, I thought it was the War of 1812. Oh, you're right. It could be the war. (laughs) Yeah, that was a long one for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, you know, smack dab in the middle of World War II. Um, invented in England. Again, what was happening in England at the time, this one you might need to be more of a history nut for. But, um, you know, England was getting bombed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, in in order to prepare for the bombings on cities, they were doing long air raid drills where they'd have all the citizens um, hunker down into bunkers um, and just keep them there for extended periods of time as part of the drill. So, our Anthony Pratt here... Um, came up with Clue as a way to pass time during these drills. And uh, it was a- originally called Murder. Uh, not just Murder, but...
0: Great name for a family game.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, you can't forget the exclamation point there at the end. Um, and yeah, so so he invented this game in the bunker. Um, uh, he was actually a musician. And a lot of things sort of changed about the game before it was eventually put to press. But, you know... No, that was the inception of Clue or Cluedo as we know it today. Yeah. So we're going to get right into it here. Uh, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about some, so we're going to give you a bit of a rule summary. Um, I mean, I think, um, Clue's a pretty famous game. So we don't, I don't want to go spend too long getting into the weeds here, talking about the rules. Um, you know, just a quick refresher. Clue's a game where, you know, you have a bunch of suspects. Um, someone's committed a murder. There's a bunch of suspects, um, there's a bunch of potential murder weapons, a bunch of uh, potential rooms where the murder was committed. Um, your job is to figure out who did it. Um, and you do this by making suggestions or implications uh, mm-hmm. uh, of who you think did it. <laughs> and yeah.
0: Yeah, so so to to go into that real quick, there there is a difference in the game between making a suggestion and making an accusation. So even though colloquially... I might I might like to say I accuse such and such. Uh, there, There is a difference, and we'll get into that. But that's, that is the reason uh, why we're kind of doing some gymnastics here.
1: Yeah, and you can kind of think of it like if you were actually in this situation and someone had committed a crime, you might bring up the possibility of someone having committed it, but you really wouldn't want to accuse someone until you really knew it was them. And so that's sort of what happens here. You make your accusation when you think you really know who did it but you Mm -hmm. suggest people when you're just trying to figure out what's going on. And yeah, so back to it. um, You're going to make suggestions. Other players will have chances to prove you wrong using the cards in their hand. Um, If no one can prove you wrong and you don't have the cards in your hand, um, then the only alternative left over is that the cards are in the confidential file in the middle of the board, which contains uh, the information about who committed the crime.
0: Yes, conveniently. The answer to who committed the crime is contained in an envelope left in the cellar. Oh, yeah. As all crimes are solved.
1: I mean, that's where I would keep it. I don't know about you guys. Uh, You know, leave us some uh, answers in the comments. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) But yeah so this is a board game, um but I would say as far as board game aspects go it it's pretty light on how much the actual board layout really affects mm-hmm. what's going on you're You're gonna use some dice uh to move from room to room um, The interesting things that people might like kind of get wrong, get wrong or maybe play as house rules is that uh, to suggest that to su- to make a suggestion um that someone committed the crime. You have to move into a room, and um, say you move into the kitchen. You have to suggest that the uh, murder was committed in the kitchen. You can't suggest any other room. Uh, so that's sort of um, one thing that I I've, I haven't always played with. Uh, another thing is that there's a couple a couple weird things with movement. Um, they don't want you going because of this like whole restriction on on where you can accuse. They don't want you like doubling back. Um, you can't like go. Or you, yeah exactly like you can only accuse uh suggest when you enter and you can't the next turn you know go right back out and right back in to make mm-hmm. another suggestion you have to wait a turn
0: yeah ba- basically you can't suggest the same room two turns in a row there has to be some variety or you have to wait a little bit
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah um another interesting thing is that when you implicate someone uh say because the the suspects of the game are also the characters you're playing as so say you implicate colonel mustard uh whoever's playing as colonel mustard mustard uh you actually move their game piece into the room with you so you can kind of like you can like teleport people's pieces around the board which is something that i don't i've <laughs> you know when i was a kid i never played that way i didn't even know this was a rule until our, you know our research so kind of interesting uh lastly dan do you want to take the the very last bullet we have here it's really i think the most relevant one as far as gameplay goes
0: got it so uh when someone suggests a set of suspects uh you go around clockwise and if a player can prove you wrong they must Uh, so so essentially i i move into the kitchen Uh, i suggest that it was professor plum with the lead pipe in the kitchen and uh now the player on my left if they have any of those three cards they must show it to me only one so if they have more than one they only have to show me one uh to disprove my theory what i just suggested if they can't it goes to the next person and so on and so on um until it gets back to me so uh so essentially like john said earlier if I don't have any of these three cards in my hand that I just suggested, and um, and nobody was able to prove me wrong, then you know I must be correct. Uh, that must be the right one. Uh, and at that point, I could, if I wanted to, make an accusation.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And you can accuse someone. You can make an accusation at any time during your turn. Even right mm-hmm. after you've suggested someone and gotten some information, you could make an accusation, but, you know, be a little bit wary. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as you make your first accusation, it's it's your only accusation. Yep. You, you don't get more than one uh, chance for that. So, yeah. And then, I mean, I think we, Dan already touched on it, but we kind of alluded to it, but uh, you're allowed to suggest that someone committed the crime or a set of suspect weapons and places and things even if you hold those cards in your hand and that's Mm -hmm. actually a very important part of the game as we'll get into later so just because you hold cards in your hand uh doesn't mean it wouldn't really benefit you to guess those Mm -hmm. cards um actually it'll help you we'll we'll just see that it helps you get -hmm. a little bit more targeted information out of your opponents so cool definitely something to keep in mind okay Well, <laughs> I think we're good with the uh, the rules summary. Yeah, after that, a bit of a super well-planned, awkward pause. Um, we can move into the strategy portion, everyone's favorite part of our podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we we,
0: we can just we can just edit edit that out too. Yeah.
1: We could always edit it out, but I think we'll leave it in. It it builds character. Um yeah. <laughs> really shows you more about us and who we
0: are. Remember that it's been over two months since we recorded a podcast.
1: Yeah, we're a bit rusty and and, and hey, you know guys, we're people too exactly we make mistakes we, you know we might seem perfect 20 um, 2020 has been really rough on a lot oh of gosh. people what are you like the 80th person to say that <laughs> in the <a> recording uh <laughs> that i've seen in the last week <laughs> um yeah okay <laughs> moving on um so we're going to talk about this game clue uh in two segments i'm gonna just sort of piece it out mm-hmm. one of these um we're going to refer to as deduction and the other as misdirection. And so they kind of explain themselves, but uh, Dan, you want to start us off with, with deduction. And sure. um, I don't know, maybe what, what is this? Uh, what is this Sherlock sheet?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Okay. So the, the official name for the sheet is that it does not have an official name, but we like to call it the Sherlock sheet because what you're really trying to do here is be a detective. You're trying to deduce uh, what, information everybody else has uh, so so as we've mentioned you find out which cards are in the middle by finding out which cards are not in the middle
1: well uh, hold up for a second though what is the sherlock sheet okay sorry i'm getting dumb ahead of, i'm getting ahead of myself yeah, okay dumb it down for the me. the
0: sherlock sheet <laughs> is a sheet of paper uh there is okay. a there's a i think it's a pad of paper or it might just be a stack yeah, of paper that that will come in the box um, you can order more. Actually, the rules tell <laughs> yeah, you where to order more. It's kind
1: of funny. Yeah, I've never ran into that. But
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so essentially, this is a sheet, and it has the names of all of the different rooms on it, the, all of the different suspects, and all of the different uh, weapons, potential weapons, and uh, you know, sort of neatly sectioned off. And then it'll have about maybe five or six columns, I think. I, I haven't really... Yeah, I haven't really it's, sort of a,
1: it's sort of a grid where you can yeah. put, it, put in some check marks and things. Exactly. And and
0: the, the purpose behind the Sherlock sheet is for you to be able to figure out which cards uh, everybody else has. So if I, you know, like in our previous example, I say Professor Plum with the lead pipe in the kitchen... Um, And John shows me Professor Plum. John John is right on my left. He shows me Professor Plum. Then, you know, I can use my Sherlock sheet to go and cross off Professor Plum because, you know, I I know now that it's not Professor Plum.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, Dan and I were talking about this before, but we always thought that this Sherlock sheet, it has many columns, as we've said. We always would play one game, one column. Yep. And it turns out you can do a lot better than that um, because if you really only use one column, you only get one box per weapon, per one box per person, one box per room. Well, that doesn't really help you keep track of who has what. Um, it doesn't help you keep track of what you've guessed.
0: But it is better for the environment.
1: It is, it is better <laughs> for the environment. It's, it definitely saves paper. But yeah, so, so definitely use all of that Sherlock sheet. I actually recommend that um you know perhaps you divide the sheet up and and give every player that you're playing against a column um and that you can mark down what you think they have. This is a sort of like a a, a nice a nice little way to just to get all the information on there that you that you can. You need to like squeeze out as much from this Sherlock sheet yep. as possible. Yeah, so maybe like I don't know one column that you're thinking is like your final guesses. Or total, Perhaps. maybe you like total accumulated yeah. information. I don't know.
0: How would you do it? You know, um, I think I, I think there's there's probably a few different ways to do it, but I, I think the the biggest takeaway from the episode in terms of the Sherlock sheet, your your fact sheet, is you need to use the whole thing, so not not just use that one column. Uh, so I think as I would as I would start it, I would probably give each player, each opposing player, a column. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I give maybe I give myself the first column um right, and I perhaps. I mark I mark the cards off in my that are in my hand. Uh you know, maybe maybe you reserve that first column or the last column like John said for excuse me, my final my final guesses. And um you know, in in that case too, you would also obviously cross off the cards in your own hand. Uh but you know, essentially if uh you know, like I like I said, if, if John shows me Professor Plum, then I'm not just going to cross out Professor Plum. I'm going to specifically cross off Professor Plum in John's column. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that means that, um, you know, let's say John o wasn't the one, the person on my left. Let's say they were the person on, on my right. You know, that, that might affect, you know, whether I will venture a guess to Professor Plum again, whether I think it'll
1: show me more information. Mm-hmm and and this is just going to put you say you're against people who aren't really using the whole sheet this is going to put you at a huge advantage against, uh, against them and let me just explain to you why um when you use this sherlock sheet and and you're really using all of it you can keep track of every turn okay not just your turns mm-hmm. exactly. um who disproves um which suggestion who doesn't disprove which suggestion? For for example, the easiest one for me to wrap my head around is this, um, you know, say I suggest uh, Professor Plum with the lead pipe in the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, and the player to my left, um, Joanne, can't dis- can't prove me wrong. Well, now I know that Joanne doesn't have any of those three cards, mm-hmm. so that helps me narrow down down what's in her hand. Okay, so then if then the next person say they also can't disprove me then i know they also don't have those three cards you've all you already gained a ton of information um w- once you kind of start mm-hmm. and and it, you, you sort of accumulate this information and eventually you get like really clear pictures of of what's really going on in everyone's hands and you can get there much faster than anyone who's not um doing this this uh this deductive work another thing is that uh that i, I like to do is is when someone does say say I'm not the one making the suggestion say Joanne's making the suggestion um, and the person next to her does can disprove her then you can sort of in the you know in player three in this case column um, you can mark put question marks by all the three ones that Joanne just guessed Mm -hmm. because now you know that they have one of those three cards that she she just guessed so again that is already and say and say like because of previous guesses you know that that player doesn't have the other two cards Mm -hmm. well you've just figured out what card they have right so it's things like that
0: yeah and and i've even seen one method that i'm honestly still trying to wrap my head around a little bit but it involves you know rather than writing a question mark which is certainly um certainly better than you know the alternatives which is you know one column check mark or blank um, is uh you know you write the first time somebody disproves you know you write you write a one next to the um the cards that they disproved and then you know for the second set um for that same person you write a two um next Mm -hmm. next to each one that they could have potentially disproven and then so so of course like you know, or you if, could
1: maybe even tally it. Would you think tallying would be better or or 'cause you wouldn't write a two I, I mean I think it'd get complicated if you were I don't know,
0: what do you like, think? Like, I mean so I don't I don't think it would be that bad. I because... Mean, I mean, I don't I don't know if one uh it depends on if, if like one card is in the disproving set that the same person disproves like multiple times right you know so so i see so so
1: if one of those tallies gets up to like four or five then Mm -hmm. there's a higher chance that they have that card Mm -hmm. than that they have the other cards that are stuck at like one or two exactly
0: okay so i mean yeah you you could probably do it with tallies um but it wouldn't be but you it's not it's i don't know that it's necessarily quite as informative because like um you know let's say you have five cards and one of them has two tallies and the other four have uh, one tally each, it's probably it's probably more informative for you to know that, oh, the first, second, and fourth one were guessed first, and then oh, the others, right?
1: Okay, so the first time that they disprove, mm-hmm. you mark the set that they disprove the the as a one. The set that they
0: disprove as a one, exactly.
1: Okay, so then if they disprove different cards the next time, even though those other ones haven't been disproved before, mm-hmm. you mark them as a two, Exactly. Okay. I exactly. Get it now. Okay. That, that, yeah. that does preserve yeah. more information.
0: Right. So so that's another thing to think about. And um, the nice thing about whether you're doing a tally or a number is if you're using your whole Sherlock sheet, um, you can you know if if John disproves me once, you know I can I can put the, um, sorry if he disproves someone else once, I can put the ones next to that one and then if susie disproves someone else then i can put ones in the susie column right for this you know
1: you have the space i mean yeah you have probably got to make some pretty small ones and twos but (laughs) right exactly (laughs) yeah and with and they give
0: give you those those really small like golf pencils which i i think are are kind of hard to draw small (laughs) with but you know you'll get better with practice
1: you know it's the physical limitations of the game that really get you it's, just your, it's oh, your ability exactly. to draw with this tiny totally. little pencil that affects how you win. Exactly. Uh, yeah, okay, so I'm on board with that. So, you know, you've got your Sherlock sheet. You've got a column for each player. Um, when that player doesn't disprove something, you put little Xs by the cards they can't disprove. And mm-hmm. uh, when they do disprove something, you put numbers by the ones they could have been disproving. Okay, mm-hmm. sort, of, sort of piece this together. Uh, eventually, though, how do you get that, like, solidifying piece of information that that tells you what's actually in their hand like i mean is it just the idea that like eventually you have enough you just just have a ton of information it's pretty obvious what's in their hand the other player's hands um when does it sort of converge like what do you need
0: see i mean so so you hit on something before which is like if if one card is in like, three or four or five disproved sets, you know, that's... They probably have that card. Because
1: mm-hmm. um, hmm. <clears throat> my guess is, like, okay, you can have situations... Eventually, you know, say everyone has seven... You know, you I think it's, also, like, everyone has seven cards, or roughly.
0: Is it seven? No, 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 it's... Well, okay, it depends on... It depends players? on how many players you have. I think last time I played with four players, we each had, like
1: like 3 or 4, maybe 5. Okay, so not that many cards. No. Not that many. Well, that means you have to eliminate a lot of cards. Mm-hmm. To to sort of reverse engineer what they have by right. elimination. But so the but the other thing you can hard. do, you know, you know um you you also
0: can guess. Like you know, if you think someone might have this card, you can just confirm can, it right You, off the you bat. can guess that card, you know, yeah. along with maybe two other cards that you have and
1: Right. Okay. Which we'll get into okay. that a little more. So so like you're sort of building um you're sort of just like building up what you think like some almost like opinions of what you know what's probably in their hand and then say you really need a spot check you can you can do a spot check to confirm who has a given card like say like say mm-hmm. like we really need to know who has plum and mm-hmm. it will like lock in a bunch of people's hand or you know a lot of information for you then mm-hmm. you you guess like two cards in your hand and professor mm-hmm. plum right exactly. that could that could be good okay I can see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you really can't lose by taking down all this extra information. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, you can always lose, but I just mean like <laughs> you, you're never gonna be worse off for right. for knowing this stuff. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it can it can seem a bit tedious, but I also think it's it's sort of why you're playing Clue yeah. is because like you you like you're kind of like sleuthing around and you're putting together all these like different clues, like different people suggesting all these different sets and how other people reacted to that and you're using all this information you finally can like put it together and make a real conclusion i feel like that's it's just so satisfying
0: definitely yeah i think well from from my research at least um which was re- actually reading one of the articles you pointed me to but mm-hmm. um it's it seems like it really adds a lot of flesh to the game um when you're when you're actually deducing in this way when you because you're using so much more information you are um you are acquiring and using so much more information by playing in this way than if you have you know this sort of the sort of one column yes or no like i guess this so and so disproved me so i'm going to make like one x next to this one thing um, that is sort of more of, if, if everyone's playing like that, it becomes sort of a waiting game, almost a game of chance, which like it's, yeah. it's still is There's a game much of chance, but it, it's, it, t- it doesn't require as much brain power. <laughs> right? right. Um, and so it, it could be a lot of the complaints that that we saw um, about Clue and our research were, oh yeah, it's, it's just not very stimulating. But like if you are playing the right way, it's very stimulating.
1: Yeah, I think it is. And another thing, well, we've already I've already mentioned that, but basically, this this deduction these deductive tactics will put you way ahead of of mm-hmm. probably where your your you know your eight year old or your ten year old <laughs> will will start. Exactly. And just marking that oh they showed me this card I can X off that card. You know. Just by doing this and keeping track of extra information, you'll be miles ahead of the strategy where you only mark down what people have shown you and what you have.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a it's a really fun way. Um, I mean, I. I don't have kids, so maybe I'll find out one day. But, uh, you know, if this is definitely something where if you're playing this way and nobody else is, you will win pretty much every time. And yeah. you might become sort of a god of Clue among your kids. <laughs> Until they figure it out, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> now,
1: conversely, um, if everyone in the game does this, you will have no advantage. Exactly. Uh, it's kind of like in... in when we've talked about Monopoly and we've talked about Cheesy. we can give you these strategies, but ultimately everyone has access to these uh, strategies. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you are able to uh, deduce very well, um, you, you're, you're only able to deduce with probably about the same information that everyone else is able to deduce mm-hmm. or same amount of information. Cause everyone else is also getting to guess and mark things off. And so it, you can kind of think of this Sherlock sheet, um, filling out as a baseline, like this is what mm. you need to do to be in the game. Yeah,
0: and I, I think a helpful way. With, yeah, yeah I, I think a helpful way to look at it is, this is the stuff that you can. This is okay. Yeah, this is this is a good analogy. So, this is the uh, the sort of chess portion of the game, where um, if you are if you are paying attention, and you you have a system and you're writing everything down um what we're just we've just been talking about now is the information that you should absolutely have if you're taking it down right you know you know that mm. i you know i i know that i accused sorry <laughs> suggested plum with the pipe in the kitchen and that john disproved me by showing me professor plum i also know for sure that john guessed you know three other things and Susie disproved him so she might have uh, you know all of this is perfect information
1: even though there's there's like close because you don't know what card they showed well exactly but you're all you're getting showed a different card than them right you so it evens out like you you know the
0: you know the math of it and there's it at that point it's just a matter of like probability right Mm -hmm. so so but then this next this next part that we're going to get into is the more poker part of the game, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so so you mentioned this is this is the baseline. What we've just talked about is the baseline. Um, it'll get you even with a skilled player. Um, so if you know all this stuff, well, there's still more information in the game to to know and to keep track of. So mm-hmm. it's important to keep track of what people asked for not only what they suggested. Um and there's no there's there's maybe not a great uh Wait what do you
1: mean the difference but ask asking for and suggesting Okay so so I know that
0: um I know that Susie disproved a set with Colonel Mustard in the study with the candlestick. Okay. But I also know that John asked colonel mustard in the study with the candlestick Oh, okay. both of those pieces of information are important for me right to remember mm-hmm. it's just that the fact that Susie disproved them is much easier for me to write down on my mm-hmm. sherlock sheet
1: because another well oh another cool thing is that once you've you know say you've nailed down one of those say you've na- nailed down where the candlestick is right. and you know that Susie doesn't have it mm-hmm. then you know you know you know, she could only have disproved two of those three. She couldn't have disproved the candlestick. Right. So that's another piece. Um, and I was also thinking about, like, you know, when someone suggests three cards, like, you have to kind of think about, are they suggesting something that's in their hand? Exactly. And if they're suggesting something that's in their hand, mm-hmm. then maybe they're, like, hot on the trail of, say, the room. You know, like, say, say they're suggesting, like, two cards that you know they have. But the third one is something else that, like, maybe that could be the one, or that's what that's what the other player thinks is the best Mm -hmm. candidate for the room, or for example. So you can kind of get even more information that way, and and that's yeah. And and so we'll we'll get on to poker, to poker playing uh, in a sec. I'll just touch on a couple things. Yeah,
0: maybe the first part that we that we've touched on is is better deemed backgammon since there is some (laughs) chance involved.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, but I'll just touch on a couple things and we can get into the the really the real fun stuff. Um, but yeah, kind of marking other players' suspicious behavior. So like mm-hmm. I said, if someone's asking uh, for a, or suggesting a bunch of cards that you know they already have, mm-hmm. then that's pretty suspicious. And so you might look into that and say, okay, maybe they're hot on the trail or something. Um, the last thing I have here is, is pretty much just a fact. So this is a little pro tip here. Um, whoever gets the room right first is that a huge advantage. The the guessing the correct room is the most important because, and here's why, two reasons. Um, one, there are six um, players to accuse, there are six weapons to accuse with, and there are nine rooms, okay? Mm. So by that, the, by those odds, um, you know, it, there are just more rooms to guess, and so it'll take you longer to figure out what the room is. The other thing is that you have to move into a room to guess that room. So there are like restrictions on what you can even guess. So say the room happens to be, say someone figures out that the room is, you know, the study and you happen to be on the complete opposite side of the, of the board as the study and you haven't figured out it's the study yet. It might take you a very long time Mm -hmm. to figure that out just because you have to like move physically all the way over there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that sort of restriction on, on how you can guess and the restriction on, how many rooms there are to guess makes it so that you really want to prioritize the room first.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, just something I thought of while you were, we talking about that is, um, you know, if you, you know, you're on the opposite side of the board of, you know, the room you're suspecting is, is true. You know, you can also in a somewhat less efficient way, figure out this information simply by asking, um, you know two two cards in your own hand plus the room you're in having people continue to disprove the room but like like john said um that takes much longer uh it's much it's much less efficient so you can definitely become very lucky and sort of land in the right room from the get-go
1: right yeah okay so i think are we ready to move on i think
0: we're ready to move on yeah yeah,
1: yeah. i mean i think the one thing that i don't think we ever outwardly stated but we kind of yeah. Mentioned with the Sherlock sheet is, uh, and I think is a great mantra, uh, which is that in Clue you play more on your ter- uh, on their turn than your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so and say, and just just to keep that in mind with the Sherlock sheet, you generally get more information mm-hmm. just by watching four other people guess mm-hmm. than by your one guess. So keep keep that in mind um, mm-hmm. with these information tactics. And so it may even makes it um, it actually leads pretty perfectly into the poker playing section because often the best use for your guess Mm -hmm. could be exclusively to mislead other players instead of gaining you new information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, yeah, exactly. You can bluff. Um, How can you use your suggestions to throw other players off, Dan?
0: Uh, So, I mean, what we have here is guessing multiple cards that you have. So let's, let's tackle that one first. And I think this uh, this is also useful, in my opinion, to gain info- as, a, as a really quick way to gain a small amount of information. So like the example I, I just mentioned where you're not sure about the room, uh, and you know that you know I, I have in my hand, um, you know, I have in my hand kernel Mustard and the candlestick. I'm just not sure about the room. so then I'll guess. I guess that it's Colonel Colonel can- <laughs> <kernel> Mustard <laughs> with the mm-hmm. candlestick in whatever room I'm in. To say the study, and then somebody shows me the study, so I know. So now that I now I know that it's not the study. But if I had said something else, um, like Professor Plum with the candlestick in the study, you know, I might have just been shown Professor Plum rather than the room. Mm-hmm. So if I want to pinpoint on the room i really want somebody to show me a picture of a room then i can guess um i can take two non-room cards in my hand guess those and then definitely the person who disproves me will disprove me with a room or not at all
1: and so okay what i'm seeing from that is that actually guessing multiple cards multiple cards that you have Mm -hmm. probably gives other players more information because if someone knows that you have the two cards that That's you're true. that you're guessing of your own, mm-hmm. then they know exactly they know whatever's going on. Say you get right. disproved, they know what card was disproved, mm-hmm. and if you weren't disproved, they know that you have the right room. Right. Um. So this might actually go in the counterexample mm-hmm. column, and that like yeah. guessing multiple cards that you do have could be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. If say you have a lead. Mm-hmm. on like figuring out what the what the room is mm-hmm. i feel like you might honestly not want to like mm. like try to pinpoint the room right away because that could also alert other players that you've pinpointed the room mm-hmm. um so yeah it's okay that's interesting i do think though that the situation changes when instead of guessing multiple cards and i think it's also lessened when you only guess one card that you have too right but yeah, you, you exactly. get less targeted information like you you can't pinpoint exactly yeah. what and yeah and you have but... essentially
0: a 50 50 shot of learning the information that you want mm-hmm. and with that you sac- you sacrifice some certainty in getting what you want but you also sacrifice some of the information you're giving other players
1: yeah like not not leading other players mm-hmm. too far okay but the extreme case is actually just guessing three cards that you have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, literally just saying, I don't actually want to learn any new information this turn, mm-hmm. but I do really want to throw some people off.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, honestly, we've, we've talked through this a little bit, uh, yeah, if, a couple times now, I think, uh, it's, it's still kind of hard for me to wrap my head around, uh, in terms of why you would want to do this. So, Yes, you're saying, I don't, I don't want to learn any more information. And I am assuming that at this point, you are, you either know or are assuming that everybody else knows that you have these three cards in your hand.
1: No. No. So, okay, let's take, for example, what happens when we're guessing two cards that we have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Guessing uh, a person in a, a room that we have because we're trying to figure out the weapon. Okay, so in that case, say say no one disproves us. Mm-hmm. We now know what the weapon is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, say people know, people, the other player players you're playing against, have seen two of the three cards you're about, that are in your hand. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, okay. You're, you want to guess this set of three cards, mm-hmm. and two of these cards are well-known to everyone else, but right. the third card isn't, right. okay? Yeah. So you guess mm-hmm. all three of these cards, and when no one disproves you, Mm -hmm. people think, oh, shoot, that third card, that, you know, that knife that he just guessed, Mm -hmm. like, that must be the weapon. Right. But actually you were holding the weapon and just no one knew that you were holding the weapon. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's what, like, what you gain out of it is like when people have some knowledge of your hand, but not, not complete knowledge. I see. Yeah. And so I think this doesn't really pair well if you've been using, if you've been guessing multiple cards. Mm
0: Mm-hmm
1: like repeatedly. Like basically the more people know about your hand, mm-hmm. the less effective this is.
0: Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. But so, also
1: the very <laughs> if they know very little about your hand, it doesn't yeah. do much either. If they people know a bit, but not too much. Sort of a balancing point. Interesting. Okay, so that kind of I mean we are we
0: are in the misdirection category and I don't know that we have a specific bullet for this, but um how do I how do I make sure that I, that over the course of the game, I'm not giving away so much information to my competitors? Like how, is there a good rule of thumb for how so, to give away the least information?
1: Good rules of thumb. Well, <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is actually one of the hardest parts of the game. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, you can do your, you can have your deductive skills. You can have your amazing Sherlock sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically if you if you really wanted to have to be perfect at this game you'd have two sherlock sheets oh yeah um (laughs) you know one one keeping track of what you know and -hmm. then one keeping track of what you think everyone else knows (laughs) (laughs) which is just so much work it's just so it's so much i don't don't think i don't think anyone reasonably should do this i think it it comes a bit with playing Mm -hmm. but i think it's a bit of like understanding what cards you've shown to people Mm -hmm. um, doubling up Mm -hmm. on the same cards when you can like say you've already shown someone that you have the rope you probably want to show someone else that you have the rope even if you could disprove them in a different way
0: yeah yeah i i I was thinking of that too so like um yeah quite quite simply don't show more of your hand than you have to Mm -hmm. um so yeah when you're disproving people try, I don't know, maybe you have like a little mental hierarchy in terms of what you show people. Like mm-hmm. if they ask for the for the rope and Colonel Mustard and I have both of those, I'm going to show them the rope
1: first. Mm-hmm. And then... You, you know, also might prefer not to show a room. You, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking that as well. Yeah. Important, yeah. Yeah.
0: But then an, uh, another thing is like when you're asking...
1: I, th- I think. Sorry about that. We got a dog. Oh trying to get yeah, him, get him he's
0: here. he's incredibly cute. His name is Pugsley. Mm-hmm. Um, he's ravenous. Yes. <laughs> so uh, so so what I was saying is also when you are guessing and you're trying to obtain information by guessing, sort of one or two of the cards in your hand, so that you know that what you're going to be disproven with will be something not in your hand. Well, obviously, <laughs> will be will we'll be the information you're looking for. Um, you want to make sure I don't guess, like, um, you know, the, the knife and the, the, the weapon and the person once and then the room and the weapon next time or something like that, Yeah. you know, because, because uh, I don't know. It,
1: it all gets very complicated. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of it comes down to game time decisions, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just kind of thinking, like, okay, if I were to guess these two cards that are in my hand, who would be able to like benefit from this? Mm -hmm. And you can kind of think of it based on like who you've shown those cards to. Mm -hmm. Um, Those people are probably going to benefit the most from you doing sort of a targeted search like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it's all, it's all too, I think too much. Yeah, There's too many combinations and and things that could be happening um, to go over examples in here. Mm -hmm. But I I do agree that it's a big, it's a big part of the game. It's like, don't, give up more information about your hand. Mm-hmm. There's like information that you can give up that is not mandatory for you to give up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously you have to show someone, um, when you like can prove them wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can also show people, you know, more information by, uh, you know, showing them different cards than you've already shown them. Yep. Um, or by what you guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've already touched on both of these. So yeah. It's all it's all big web. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge web
0: and I think we we were talking about this but I think a lot of a lot of how you interpret this web and how you sort of integrate this web into your thinking uh you know first you first you make sure you've got everything going on your Sherlock sheet perfect. That's going to that's going to take a while. As you play more games of Clue, I think even just just keeping track of the bare minimum Sherlock sheet stuff is going to be uh, a challenge at first, but Mm -hmm. then as soon you will be able to do it without really thinking. Yeah. And that's when you can start maybe asking yourself these other questions in the game, uh, you know, remembering what other people have asked, remember, like think truly thinking about what everyone else thinks is in your hand. Mm -hmm. Um, so there may, there may not be any quick and simple rules of thumb on it, but uh, You should get better for, with practice if you are focusing on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the other the other thing is um, the suggestions that we are making today, um, you know, up up to this point, I'd say everything with the Sherlock sheet, that's that's great take that as gospel everything that we're talking about now with with misdirection uh, is sort of our our best guess but but we <laughs> yeah. would really we would really love it if you guys took what we're saying uh, some of our suggestions try them out see what works for you mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. adapt the game in in your own way that's definitely what we're gonna do
1: um,
0: yeah. because you know it it might not all work on paper but there might be a, a good strategy that works for you
1: yeah. I mean it, honestly it, it can come down to play style. Mm-hmm. Uh some people, you know, that might be better at a g at a game like Mafia or you know mm-hmm. Among Us or like Deceptive Games yeah. could probably pull off the the mad lad oh yeah like game where they're literally just guessing three cards that they have the entire game. <laughs> you know, like I feel yeah. like you could try wacky strategies like that mm-hmm. to throw people off. Yeah. Um and if you pull it off, you can pull it off. Yep. I think the reason that these strategies work, um is because you you play more on their turns than your turn. Mhm. Um you know, I'm kind of thinking of a couple of examples here or just just sort of add-ons. When I don't know if I can guess something without giving like valuable information away to someone else, mm-hmm. you can always not guess. Okay. Yeah. That's so that's that's one thing. The other thing is that um that just sort of came to me is that if you're really close to figuring out the room, say um then and like say it's the beginning of the game you haven't figured out the other two then why would you spend the extra time actually pin pinning down one room out of two why would not you let other people do that for you Mm -hmm. with their guesses Mm -hmm. because eventually that enough information will probably come to you and you won't ask a question that very like blatantly tells everyone oh it's this room oh wow (laughs) um so like let everyone fill in the gaps now obviously this doesn't work if it's if it's the end of the game, mm-hmm. whoever figures out the room first, like the room is the last thing people need to figure out or something like that. You're really close to winning. Um, then go for it. But mm-hmm. but I, I think it could be a, a cool thing to do to mm-hmm. just like not don't finish the searches. Yeah. Leave them for other players to finish on their roll. own time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's kind of yeah. interesting. If that, yeah. Um try it out. Let me know how it works. Def-
0: definitely. And uh as we've said before on this podcast as well, we're we're we tend to not be so great at those mafia type de- games where deception is a huge element. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, I mean, these strategies may may be awesome. Uh we we may not be able to to pull them off well, but you should still try them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well Dan, do we really have anything else to offer these people? <laughs> Maybe okay, a few so bits, right?
0: We uh let's see. We talked about to our listeners, we not these about, people. Sorry. We talked <laughs> our valued listeners. Our valued listeners, uh we we've talked I think we've talked down to timing here when to, when to when both when to do these things, uh when to uh bluff, when to guess multiple cards that you have, when not to do that. Um, we talked about maybe some, some fun, uh, fun ways that you can try to throw people off the scent. Uh, I mean, we, we have a bullet here for tactics, just basic tactics, um, moving people away from significant rooms, uh, if we wanted to talk about that. And, and also the, the sort of fun, and I, I'm not sure how strategic,
1: Move of blocking someone in to a yeah. room. <laughs> okay, maybe we can touch on those yeah. real quick. Um, so, yeah, it's a, if you think someone's close to pinpointing um, the room, the correct room, say for whatever reason you really don't want someone going into X room and guessing. Um, well, the nice thing about the rules is that you can literally teleport their piece to whatever room you can get to and guess in. Mm-hmm. So, you might want to spend a guess. Just teleporting someone's piece um so that they can't get into the correct room and get like good information now again this is something you you could end up spoil you could end up giving the information away if the person can tell you are trying to block mm-hmm. them from guessing um you know the kitchen or the library let's because I keep using the kitchen <laughs> say you're trying to, you like yank someone away from the library they might be pretty suspicious that's the library so that could be a deceptive
0: move actually i I for one would Love to be teleported to
1: the library. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> um. So okay, wait, wait, wait. But do you have anything to say about about this thing specifically? Because I just thought. It was so so um, you know what? Why don't why don't you share your thought? Okay. Because yeah. I think the big, the big thing here, and again, it's it's gonna be more theoretical. But mm-hmm. we've just told everyone how to play, super sneaky. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> and then we've told them that they should trust all the information on their Sherlock sheet as gospel. <laughs> okay. But other players can play sneaky too. That's right. So how do you account for that in your Sherlock sheet? Well, uh, I mean, if I guess, yeah. <sighs> okay. So you your, can only your take Sherlock, your Sherlock sheet. Is this is,
0: this is what should be down on your Sherlock sheet. Uh, you, you should know which cards are in your hand. Duh. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should know when somebody suggested something, were they disproven? Who disproved them? Um, and you know what what was in the set that was asked that was disproven? Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess where that would get so so assuming nobody ever guesses something that wasn't disproven, um, you know that. Well, then it you wouldn't really have. It, it really should. Issue. It really should be gospel. It shouldn't be an issue. Yeah,
1: until someone, yeah. until some uh, guess goes around, that doesn't get disproven, mm-hmm. then you pretty much have perfect information or great information. Okay, exactly. But then, as soon as that happens, I guess some, you have some uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You have some like like you were saying. You mark down the sets like ones, mm-hmm. twos, and threes, and and so okay. on. You basically have a set like that that you can never really know. Mm-hmm. because because like say say someone guesses a set of three it doesn't get disproven mm-hmm. um, then you know with certainty that the cards I mean, are either in that the guessing player's hand or in do the, something in the margin I don't know. yeah you could mark in yeah. the margin like you could mark yeah yeah okay i would mark any yeah. guess that doesn't get disproven i would i would write down the guess
0: yeah just flat out write it down
1: because like yeah, because that that has to tell you a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Every card, mm-hmm. every time that happens, you know that that card is either in the set of card that, that those three, the set that was guessed.
0: Either one is, of those three is in the middle, or or sorry, yeah, either one or more of those things is in the middle, or all of them are in that person's hand.
1: Yeah, that that should cover all the cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. And the well, but in the rest. If one or more of them is in the middle, then the rest of them are in the other person's hand. That's right. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So those those three cards can only be split up between Mm -hmm. those two places. So in that way, you can kind of account for this. And there's like uncertainty involved there, right? Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, you might never be able to know in time. Like you could eventually Mm -hmm. figure it out if you made direct guesses and things, but you just don't, I feel like you don't have the time for that in a game with everyone else. You might not. If you're playing with thing. if
0: you're playing with four other skilled players and they're all <laughs> they're all playing well, um, mm-hmm. in accordance with these principles, then yeah, you may not you may not ever fully know what is in the middle before somebody guesses it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think I think that's leading into the the point you were trying to make.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a long winded way of getting to a point, but I, I I know I do think that what we talked about was pretty important there because you got you to gotta remember that everyone else can deceive you in the same ways you're deceiving them. Mm-hmm. You got to remember that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so so I mean, um, in a tight game, again, where you're playing against a lot of good players, uh, you might need to take an educated...
1: 50-50 or a... Yeah,
0: 50-50, maybe educated leap of faith um, because you're, you know, like and make an accusation at the end of your turn because you know before, the, the, before, you uh, get before your, your turn 10. before your turn rolls around again one of these other players is going to to crack it because mm-hmm. there is simply so much information that has already been learned by the board hey, everyone yeah that you know the tiny little remainder of information that needs to be learned for someone to make an accusation will be learned before it's your turn again yeah yeah, yeah. hmm all right. So I can I I can't say specifically at what point that is, but I mean I I've described it theoretically as as in terms that's of, that's the situation. That's the
1: situation yeah. and and it's theor- described theoretically in terms of what your opponents are up to. So mm-hmm. it's going to be about you reading your opponents. If your opponents are really dialing in, I think that's one one way to know how your opponents mm-hmm. doing is are they guessing the same cards over and over again? Are they mm-hmm. guessing similar sets of cards? Mm-hmm. That's going to tell you that they're really keying in on something. Yes, and so right. you can kind of pay attention to that. Um, okay, yeah, cool. All right, and lastly, uh, you know, we got the fun, the fun tactic. Um, I forget. I'm trying to think of other. Uh, other situations in our past podcast where we, uh, yes. there have been things where we said, where Dan said like, yeah, if you do this, you're really freaking cool. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think <laughs> Oh, of, that was,
0: that was monopoly with the housing strategy with the housing yes. shortage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a
1: monopoly, if you buy up all the houses and leave everyone else with no houses, you're, you're a flipping boss. Yeah. Uh, in clue. If I, you, I you believe have to work the, together for I believe
0: one. the exact words were uh, you're a freaking legend and the bees knees
1: and the bees knees. Yes. Okay. Got it. So, we got another bee's knees moment here, but it's a cooperative bee's knees moment. It's not going to come yes. up every game. Mm-hmm. Um, it might never come up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I honestly couldn't say it's ever happened to me. I've never experienced it. <laughs> yeah, but one way to just really mess with uh, a player um, is that if you if someone's in a room and... Uh, you just get everyone to stand in front of the doors to that room, then the person can't leave the room. <laughs> and it seems sort of like a really, it's a really arbitrary rule to me, but it's kind of funny. So if like, if two people are at the door and then one person's in the room, then, then you can like just really mess with someone by, right. by walking in front of the door.
0: Yeah. And I mean, not only can they not move, but as we discussed before, you, you can't make the same um, accusi- uh, same sorry room accusation twice in a row. You have to yeah. like,
1: you have to wait. Move. You have to
0: wait a turn. Oh, sorry. You have to wait. Well, a you turn. can't,
1: and you can't even. If you were locked in a room for a turn, mm-hmm. you couldn't even guess on the next turn. Like, you have right. to move out of the room, and then wait a turn, and, and then, then move back, back in, in before wow. you can make. You can suggest that room again. Wow. Well, so you literally <laughs> can't.
0: You can't move and you can't guess until these a-holes stop blocking the door right and they
1: also can't stay blocking the door because, because you're not allowed to you're not allowed to move back on the same spaces you were on before right that's true that's you true. can't just like move back and forth or whatever i see
0: but you could <laughs> so so the we we haven't really touched on this but i mean the way that the board is is it's pretty free form in terms of where you can end up if mm-hmm. you um if you roll you know if you roll a six you could end up six squares away if you wanted to you could run you you could end up yeah you could snake and end up three or four squares away um i'll have to check my math on exactly that but but the the idea is that movement is not necessarily linear you you can sort of circle Mm. around a little bit perhaps um so you know if you could orchestrate with like three or four other people, okay, you're going to block it this turn and then I'm going to block it next turn. And then you're, you could do that. It would, I, it, I think it would be completely unproductive because in all this time, you and these people who are blocking the door are also not able to make, like guesses. no one's gaining any information.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like we said, uh, it's a great way to piss someone I, off, uh, great way to be a, a freaking legend let's just let's
0: just say there's somebody we've talked about before on this podcast who i would uh i could see uh playing like this and getting people to play like this yes um, yeah yes
1: <clears throat> okay well we don't need to talk about him anymore <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, he's a great guy great guy really Wonderful. but he would do this for sure absolutely and uh yeah props to you if you know who we're referring to. <laughs> If you don't, go back and listen to our other episodes. Yeah, I guess that's the only <laughs> thing you can do. <laughs> All right, well no. does that does that uh, wrap us up? Yeah, for today? I, Dan, I think we might actually come in uh, underneath an hour. Wow, the last time that we, happened was part easy. You guys are probably overjoyed <laughs> that you didn't have to, you know, didn't didn't get an hour and fifteen. Well, maybe let's not be so harsh on ourselves. You know, maybe people are bummed that they don't get enough mm-hmm. of our content.
0: But. That said,
1: we have two and a half minutes. Oh, wow. Only two and a half two minutes. Two and a half minutes, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: which means that probably <laughs> once we add in the, the intro and outro and everything, it'll be... no
1: nice. Don't worry about okay. it.
0: Okay, okay. Um, 58 minutes. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, John. It's been, it's been great uh, to be back here podcasting with you. Like we have mentioned, we have some more content coming out. Next mm-hmm. will be Carcassonne, uh, Date to be Determined yeah Uh, but yeah we're we're coming at you with it uh so stay tuned for that uh john any last words
1: yeah uh just remember to trust that sherlock sheet oh yes and other than that i think you guys are ready to be masters of clue awesome so yeah thank you for listening and uh this has been how to beat your kids at board games signing off
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of How to Beat Your Kids at Board Games. We hope you enjoyed it and that you learned something. We always do. If you like our show, please tell your friends and be sure to rate or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by typing our acronym, H-T-B-Y-K-A-B-G, in the search bar. If you have questions, comments, feedback, or suggestions for games you'd like us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at HTBYKABG at gmail.com, or message us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.